Welcome to the round five Super Coach Coach podcast. I'm Marcus, and this week joined again by FB Donkey. Welcome, mates, after a week off. Thanks, mate. Back off the bench. Uh, the boys did a good job filling in last week and tested negative for COVID today, so back on ball. Luckily, I got uh, stuck watching TV all weekend, which gave me a good excuse to watch every game of footy. Every game. Well done. Except for the clash, I suppose. Yes. Who knows? You could have been dedicated to your craft enough to uh, go back and watch the replay. Anyway, let's do around the grounds and then we're going to tackle some injury news this week. How'd you go, Mark? I'll let you start off. It's going to start with, I beat you again, unfortunately. So update for the community. This is four weeks in a row that I've beaten Marcus. Um, <laughs> uh, not by, not by a lot because our teams are pretty similar, but, uh, just a little bit every week, which has been nice. Terrible score this week for me though. 2155. I think that Tom Stewart being out really cost me because it meant that I had to score, take a 50 off the bench and I was probably 50 points off the pace or so. So 2155 down to 14,000th with the ranking few. Issues this week, I had two players subbed out in Hinge and Crips and no Gorn, so an English didn't go off and um, also had Butters, Cornelio and Sherry. I guess the upside was Brody, kicking butt and McRae as captain. How'd you go, mate? Yeah, I think this week was always going to be tough for us as Tim English owners, considering Max Gorn scored 160. Still reasonably happy with English, 96, but... Whenever Max Gorn scores 160, that's not good news. I think McRae VC definitely helped us. Otherwise, the week could have been even worse. I didn't have Brody, so score was definitely continues to be affected. Uh, 135 or something that he scored was painful. You um, had um, Bowie instead though, right? So you would have been fine. God, yeah. So 90 points given up there. And uh, I had a Driscoll, which was a nice trade in. Uh, on the bubble, scored 104. I uh, played Bowie, Hinge, and McCartan and had O'Driscoll's 104 on the bet. One of those weeks, yeah, didn't you? Can't win them all. In this case, can't win a lot. Current ranking, oh gosh, dropped 9,000 spots. So our current ranking is 30,000, which is not great. Not great after four rounds, but the season is young and I'm. Keeping my spirits up, my chin up. You, you know me. I'm a glass half full super coach player, so I uh, won't, won't get dragged down too far. <laughs> Should give at this point, talking about glass half full, shout out to my mate Luke who traded out Gorn and traded in Cripps and Proust this week who Cripps was subbed out, injured hamstring and Proust suspended again. Keep your head up, Luke. Minute of silence for Luke's team and <laughs> chances for the people. Can definitely take a leaf out of my book then for the week. Uh, we'll move on to our top scorers from our uh, super coach coach groups in a spot of brighter news. So our super coach coach patron was topped by Rex's team, Randomity United, scoring 2380s, a huge score for Rex. Congratulations. And in our main group, Williams team, Tuk Tuk. 2,444 for the week. Yeah. So it's a 
top 250 score for the week. Well done to Tuk Tuk. All right. So this week's topics brought to us again, the questions from our patrons. We're going to talk through the th three most highly traded out players at the current time of recording. And they are Patrick Cripps and Mitch Hinge being two potentially injured players that may miss weeks and Nathan O'Driscoll as a potential downgrade this week. So we'll get to some questions on them, starting with Paddy Cripps. So he's slated to come out of about 10% of teams. Bit of a pity because he was on track for another huge score. Definitely loves playing Gold Coast and loves scoring big points against them. We're pretty lucky we managed to VC McRae because Cripps would have been my captain if Jack Hayes was named as a substitute and I couldn't go down that risky route. Fortunately, that didn't happen for either of us, Mark, but Patrick Cripps. Uh, fellow podcaster Dunny did cop the Cripps captaincy. Ouch. We're recording this on a Monday night this week. We've got comedy show, uh, Melbourne International Comedy Fest is in town. So unfortunately coming out of your ears without the information on Patrick Cripps and how long he's going to be out for. So we'll play in hypotheticals a little bit, Mark. I yeah. think the overall news is that it potentially doesn't seem too bad. So there's some chatter that he may not be out for an extended period. Obviously anything four plus is pretty much an instant trade out, but I think we were rather hopeful that the prognosis would be up to three weeks and rumor mill even is positing that he could even be back this week, which does seem a bit out there for now, but uh, surely he's like, he's either done it or he hasn't. And if he hasn't done a proper hammy which there's some signs that he hasn't, didn't have the ice actually strapped around his leg. He did run into the rooms. Like it didn't seem that bad, but if he hasn't done it, then it's a chance to play this week. Otherwise it's a minimum 21 days and they play on April 30th, Saturday. So if it is a minor end, um, some chance he plays against North and just misses two games. So that gets, uh, into some pretty borderline decision making that we've got to do in one way. He is only worth like 30 ish. So you're not getting a huge hit by trading him out. Uh, he's still got a lot of money to make. The other side is that he's got a 30 rolling through his price. So might lose a little bit of money in his current form. He does seem like someone you want to get back. Do you really want to be using two trades around him? Further complicated by Dylan Stevens being out and us having essentially pretty weak midfield benches, especially compared to the forward line. So it gets a little bit tricky if, even if we found out it was two to three weeks. What do you think? You brought up a good point around whether or not you want Patrick Cripps in your team in the longer term. So if you're suggesting that in the form that he's in, he's a top eight midfielder, then at 525K, anything that's three weeks and below, you would be tempted to hold. And considering how he looked when he did the injury and how he was subbed off, I'd be probably leaning more toward keeping than trading unless we get some particularly bad news. I think the only thing that changes the narrative a little bit is around the fact that normally we don't really want to be trading a player out when they affect our upgrade cadence, but because we haven't hit upgrade period yet, you can spend a trade this round trading him out getting three extra premium scores and 
you're not really penalized by it in terms of your ability to upgrade your team. And so that maybe is one of the reasons to, to potentially look at trading him out. If you're doing that, I think you're almost hoping that he has a couple of poor games on his return, and then you can pick him up cheaper as well. With the 38 that's rolling through, if he averages 110 across the next two rounds, he's going to drop around 40K, but you'd really be hoping he misses three games. I think if he's only missing two games, you would probably prefer just to ride that through, wouldn't you? It's tricky. Like you said, with the upgrade cadence, it's very rare that we get a chance to trade out a premium where it won't be affecting the upgrade cadence. Uh, we have those extra trades this year. At this stage of the year, we all just feel like we have so many trades and playing a rookie for those two weeks could cost you 50 to 80 points a week, depending on who comes on. Like Ward's really not standing up at the moment. If Ward was posting 80s, I think I'd feel a lot more comfortable just holding grips, but it does leave us pretty exposed in that midfield, I think. So my, my instincts say trade and yours saying the opposite. Yeah, probably. I think the other potential reason why I'm a little bit more tempted to hold potentially is I have Finn McGuinness being able to pivot with Rochelle. So I would probably be looking to cover Crips with Rochelle, who played on my bench, for example, this week. Yeah. So, and so with, maybe um, that factors in. With Ryder out for two weeks and Dixon performing well on the weekend and Nick Nat out till mid-season now, you think that provides a little bit further cover um, on the ruck line and the forward line as well. So someone like Rochelle, you can easily bring him out of the forward line. And I think he got a rising star on this week. He's looked brilliant in the first four weeks. So he had one down game, but he's looked really good otherwise. Yeah. We've at least talked through enough of the boundaries around uh, four weeks is a definite trade, two weeks is probably a hold, three weeks is the borderline, and then making a decision on uh, predominantly your cover. I think you, you're probably right in saying that if you anticipate him being out for three weeks and you're only going to cover him with a ward, uh, that could be potentially 150 points in three weeks' time, which is at probably... Least enough of a risk to say, Hey, trade him out. We've got heaps of trades this year. Don't cop the negative points. And you can always trade in Crips for potentially a little bit cheaper down the line. I think if they say he's a chance of playing this week, which at the moment that seems like it could happen. Uh, it's pretty hard to trade him if he's, a, if he's even a chance to play this week. Yeah. Now let's talk hypotheticals in case we do have to look at trading him out. And we've got a question here from Adrian Richardson, Crips to Tom Green. What do you reckon about that? His name has come up almost every week for the first four weeks. It probably had his weakest game so far, but even still looked reasonably impressive on field anyway, scored 92 points. What do you reckon about Tom Green as a candidate for Patrick Cripps? So he's the one guy in the midfield that you can sideswap him to. So I definitely see the appeal. There's not many players like Tom Green in their third seasons that can actually score premium super coach numbers. That's my biggest concern. Is he the next Clayton Oliver who was able to do that? Quite possibly. Quite possibly he's actually that good. I do have concerns around the Giants in general. And like when Toby Green comes back, does Taranto go into the midfield and take some of the time away from Green? There's always uncertainties with Leon Cameron and what he's going to do. He's a high, 
high upside potential at his current price. Look, I honestly thought about it. I wouldn't strongly recommend either way though. What about you? Yeah, I'm the same. I think the points you brought up were pretty much echoing mine last week around his risk moving forward. I can understand taking the punt on him if you really like him as a player though. I, I've seen a few people on Twitter, obviously very excited to have him in their team and I can understand why. He plays the type of game style that does seem to suit Supercoach. His points that he gets are contested. He can take marks. He can kick goals up forward. He's dangerous basically wherever he plays on ground. So even when he's played out of position, he can still score reasonably well. This is probably the last week before he starts moving out of discounted territory. At 524,000, yeah. you're still hoping that he gets to about 600K midfielder and presents a discount. 520 is generally what we look for in terms of fallen ultra premium type price range. So I can understand doing that this week. Between having to manufacture a downgrade that doesn't hold on its own and just picking Tom Green, I'd probably favor taking the risk on Green than forcing a non-optimal trade to, to be able to pick up like a Jack Steele, for example. But if you have the cash, I probably would just go with a rolled gold option. All right, we've got another candidate here. It's a little bit also left field uh, in terms of not going with a, a steel toque type player. JB's asking Crips to Sam Walsh. So yeah. Walsh was obviously very highly picked before the syndesmosis, but since coming back, he's slotted in brilliantly. Uh, what do you reckon? He's scoring well, but I think it, I don't know. My interpretation is that it has looked like it's probably affected him a bit, not dominating games to the same level that he was previously. Maybe if Crips is out for a week or two, uh, we might see that happen. Like it was a pretty significant injury and he came back pretty quickly and that could wear on him on a young body over the course of the season. So that might cap his upside a little bit. My guess would be that he's still working through that. But how much is Walsh now? 610k. 610k. So he's still really expensive. Lots of upside. Carlton, it's still unsure about how he fits into that Carlton midfield now with uh, them scoring a few more points and whether Carlton are actually good or not. does present a bit of value and there's not a lot of exciting super premiums to pick from. Yeah, he would be in the consideration with Tom Green and Jack Steele, maybe Miller, Oliver, those sort of players. I think the three sort of roll gold going into the season were Oliver, Steele, and Miller. And I'd say it's unlikely that somebody would have all three of them plus McRae, plus Lockie Neal. So probably you know, one of the players that you don't have would probably be the de facto, and you'd probably be taking a little bit more of a risk, albeit a unique one, if you went with a, a Walsh type player. It's worth just mentioning that if Walsh hadn't been injured in the preseason, he would have been in the same discussion as those other guys. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm going to throw in a few extra names here. Christian Petrarca, we've talked about a little bit, uh, started absolutely on fire. And then the last two weeks has shown a, a little bit of his, his risk to the downside, albeit it, it has come under increased sort of scrutiny and pressure with just his form. He's cheaper at 597K. What do you reckon about Petrarca? Back to about his starting price. I think that you'll see 
pretty similar performance from Petrarca over the course of the year. We'll probably end up with a 115 to low 120s average, and it'll just be a matter of some really, really big games in there, and maybe even a big patch of form, but also some of these sub-100 scores as well when he's getting extra attention or he's not needed as much um, in order to win the games. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think he's a bad option. He's not super exciting either. I think it's worth mentioning that um, Oliver and Miller both have really high break-evens, and I think Petrarca does as well. So it's not the ideal week to be picking any of those guys. Agree. One nice thing about a Petrarca-type player, though, is that even though when you assess him, you're saying, He's, he is likely to finish in that 115 to 120 bracket. Like Bont last year, he also has the capability of pumping out a huge streak of games uh, that can really set your team apart. So Petrarca Bont type picks, uh, I think, never really too bad risks to take just because of that potential upside. The last one that I'm going to chuck in there is Callum Mills. He's dropped 26K from his starting price and has had an 84 and a 70, but also 147 and 130. So interrupted preseason, you'd be punting on him, similar to Walsh, like building into the season and, and being a, a top-tier candidate. Yeah, scores unbelievably well when he's playing well, but that preseason risk, injury risk is probably enough to scare me away. If you were to trade Cripps, who would your top candidates be? I think... My top candidates would be, I'd be looking at seeing if I could get a top three player on the line. And I think that, yeah, I'd probably be looking forward or back. So the two players in my side that I don't have a, that I like the look of are Doherty and Goey and probably Hewitt as well. So someone that can be in the top six and on their line. And I, I'm not as confident doing that in the midfield. Maybe Jack Steele would be the one that would appeal to me given current break-evens and prices. So I think I'd actually looking to be a bit more inventive and in trying to bring a player from a different line in. I guess it's easier with Dugowie because you can just bring him straight into the mids. And we did get a question from one of our patrons just on that topic. So is it viable to trade Cripps, Doherty, and move Hewitt into the midfield, for example? Are you better off just grabbing a Jack Steele type? I think if you have the cash, my temptation would be, unless you're getting a discount, to pick the top tier scorer, which would be Jack Steele over a Sam Doherty. Like Sam Doherty's 570 and Jack Steele's 636. For 65K, are, are you really picking Doherty just because he's averaging a ridiculous am amount at the moment, but over somebody who has potentially, a, you know, a little bit more of that recent history to, to rely on uh, in terms of season long scoring. I think the one that's interesting to me is Hewitt because Hewitt still comes at a discount. Hewitt's only at 490 after a couple of price rises. I think if I were going to pick outside of position, Hewitt and Dugowie, for example, would make a lot more sense. So Dugowie's at 470k uh, and straight out of lockout, my initial itchy trade Trigger uh, had me looking at Crips to to Goey, so he's definitely one that I like. Yeah, th that makes a fair bit of sense, especially with the way that Hewitt's performing at the moment. He's just he's averaging an insane amount for his current output. I guess a lot of people would already have Hewitt, though. The interesting thing about Goey that probably does need mentioning is Elliot got injured on the weekend. I think he did his AC joint and will be out for quite a while. 
Dugowie's average last season with Jamie Elliott was 101, without was 58. So that's no. a massive difference. And and maybe Golan would structure up a bit differently this year and there's different expectations with Dugowie, but they may need him up forward a little bit more with Elliott out. I'm guessing from what we've discussed, is it sensible to say uh, the Hewitt of, of all these other alternative options makes the most sense. That's probably where I'd be landing. Yeah, I think that that is true. I would just caution that probably a lot of our listeners already have Hewitt. I think it would be fairly yeah. unique in would, not having him. Yeah, which is going to take me to my second question, which is if you didn't already have Hewitt, out of Doherty to Goey, you know, bringing a backline, a forward line player, or, you know, a steel or a green, how would you rank the uh, options? Uh, my first instinct, instincts were Doherty. I'm thinking probably the options are Doherty, uh, steel, and then to at the moment. Um, if I wasn't including Hewitt in, in the conversation, I would be going steel to Goey. And then probably Jake Lloyd was another player that I was looking at as well. 560K, uh, so pretty similar to Doherty. I personally just haven't looked as closely at Sam Doherty, but I think if you're looking for an alternate, I think he stacks up reasonably well. And it's going to be pretty unique because of... The fact that he missed the first game of the season, although Doherty is even more unique. He's in under 10% of teams. You're yeah, obviously seeing enough the... there, Mark, to be reasonably confident in promoting Doherty. I mean, he'd sort of fallen out of fashion a little bit, hasn't he, in recent years? Yeah, he's had his troubles the last couple of years and has missed quite a few games. Before that, he was probably the number one defender in the comp, right? Like him and Jake Lloyd as far as scoring in Supercoach goes and looks to be playing even better this year. I mean, he's probably overperformed in the first few weeks, which means he will come back to the mean a little bit. He'll probably have some down games. The thing that worries me a little bit was that he did have his calf taped up in the game against the Suns. I'm not sure whether he's had that in the first few weeks, but at his age and given his injury history, that would be a bit of a, a red flag. But our scoring power is absolutely top-notch. And he's done it in the past where... He's just gotten to a price where you just can't bring him in anymore. All right, let's move to the next player, Mitch Hinge. So he is another player who might still be returning to play this week, but was a sub out. Do you have any news on him or is uh, Monday too early for any whispers on a player like Hinge's lower profile? <laughs> yeah. Quite possibly. There is um, stories around that it's a corked hip and that he just wasn't able to run through it. Players will often miss with that sort of injury. They won't be able to get enough blood into their leg that they can actually, and movement so they can actually run properly within a week. So he, especially not being a high profile guy, they may not force him through and make him play next week, but you would think that it'd only be a one weeker from him. And he has break even of only 29 still. So I guess that it's not a Essential trade back there. It just depends whether there might be a trade-in target that you're really keen on. Yeah. 266K means that he probably hasn't appreciated in price to the level that we'd ideally be 
looking to cash him out on. So if 150K is the baseline, we were hoping to get him up to that 330 range before uh, trading him out. The unfortunate part is he did score 37. His break even still relatively low because just before that he was coming off a 91. But if he has another poor game, it might take him quite a few weeks from here to appreciate to 330k let's say he might even be a play that you hold all the way uh, or pretty close to the buys for example so that's probably one of the reasons to, to also look at trading him out earlier if he's going to miss games but if he doesn't miss and he does play this week i'd suggest that uh, with a break even in the 20s that you probably hold him one of the main reasons to pick him was that he might not make you 150k, but he would get more reliable points on field each week as a rookie compared to some of the other options. And it's now assessing those relative options. And will O'Driscoll perform just as well and get you 100k? Um, if you make that assessment, then um, I could see some people making that trade. Which does take us to this question from William Miller and probably the prime reason why Hinge is currently slated to leave quite a few teams this week. Is Hinge to O'Driscoll line balls or does going early on rookies like this stand out this year due to the extra trades? Typically, we would be more patient with somebody like Hinge, but as you said, 100K, if you expect them to score pretty similar from here on out, is 100K that you can put toward an early upgrade. What's your likelihood on taking the plunge there? You've already got him, so you're going to gloat a little bit, or obviously uh, not facing that scenario myself. So I guess that's my gloat. Why don't you tell me what non-Odriscoll numb nuts are going to do? People that didn't get lucky. I don't know. It's still really early in the week. I'm uh, if Hinge plays this week, I'd be very unlikely to make that move. I think you just got to back in the guys that you're playing. Um, I mean, I just got kicked two on the weekend. I wish I had him in my side. Absolutely. Um, because of his sub in the first week, didn't go up too much cash. It's a shame that he got on the field at all in that first week in hindsight. And so I think that the price is still okay. Um, and if Hinge doesn't play this week, there's probably a good chance O'Driscoll does come in. The only problem is that I'd be relying on O'Driscoll and fielding him every week and I'm not totally confident that he's going to average enough to do that. So I cannot rely on him getting more than 60 each week. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't necessarily see him as being an on-field rookie, uh, hence why he stayed off-field in the first week for me in my team. Especially if you're not looking to put him on field over hinge. Like the question's got to be asked. Like, there's other rookies that are available this week. One that's cheaper in McInnes for Collingwood at 123k, second year rookie pick in the 20s in the draft the year before last. And job security for Reef looks reasonable moving forward. And then you've got Erasmus also at about the same price at O'Driscoll, but obviously being a top 10 draft pick, also playing for Fremantle. What do you reckon about? you know, Erasmus or uh, a Reef McInnes over Nathan O'Driscoll. It's all about positions, right? So O'Driscoll being forward defense could come very much in handy. And I think that it'll be interesting to see whether 
Dacos does get the defensive eligibility next week. He may not with the recent Collingwood midfield injuries, but if he does get that defensive eligibility, then having O'Driscoll and being able to swap Dacos into the back line could be very handy. I think if I were looking purely at cash generation and, and not a player to have on field, then I think I would be tempted bring in Reef McInnes. Uh, I know the DPP and the, the backline eligibility uh, obviously does play a factor, not discounting that, but I do think um, if all you're looking is for a downgrade target to generate cash from an early upgrade and, and move a player who you're worried may not get back into the team all too quickly, uh, then I'd probably be looking at a, a bottom priced option. Jordan Boyd's an interesting one. Uh, 124k also on the bubble in the back line. Have you had a look at him at all before, Mark? Uh, a little bit, but I don't think his scoring potential is going to be enough. Um, started as the sub, came on really early on the weekend. And that would be my worry with McInnes as well. So what did McInnes score on the weekend? 21. Pretty hard to bring a player in that scored 21, even if they're cheaper, compared to a Driscoll who's kicked a couple and scored 100. Jed McEntee is another one on the bubble. We were looking at him in the preseason. He has mid-forward dual position flexibility. So in terms of getting a player in for, let's say, Dylan Stevens, who allows you to push Rochelle to cover Patrick Cripps, if he's out for a couple of weeks, he could be an interesting option as well, I think. Yeah, I quite like McEntee as a player. Again, it's really hard to bring in a player that's averaging 38 over two games um and port just have not looked very good so it's great that we've got three cheap options in that you're mentioning but all of them are averaging less than 40 and it's really hard like they could improve and they could average more than that but i'd really be looking for 60 averages from these rookies and it makes it very hard to bring them in when they're only averaging 40 over two games so you would happily pay the 40k for you know a Drew School and uh, Erasmus over picking one is cheaper yeah, players. Absolutely, yeah. especially especially seeing as probably most teams don't have an immediate need to spend that money. Erasmus versus a Drew School is really interesting. I think that the DPP probably gets a Drew School over the line, but Erasmus has scored pretty well as well. Like 58 to 70, even though it's 40k more starting, that's going to get you especially if they potentially have to go on field, which is a good chance they will this year with all COVID protocols and stuff. I'd be much more interested in those guys with their scoring potential and them having better job security. So I guess one of the big problems, unless you're looking to trade out one of these potential injured players, is last week, some people did think about trading out Rochelle, for example, for they Nick did. Martin. Now, Martin obviously had a great game and is a worthwhile trade-in target, but Rochelle scored a 106. He's now looking like he'll get to 330 at least, you would think. And all of a sudden, even though you're happy with Martin, you probably are regretting a little bit trading out Rochelle. So the question is, who would you be able to trade out, you know, outside of a hinge or a, a restructure with a Crips? to bring in a 160k rookie like would you actually be trading dylan stevens to one of these or josh ward at 210k um, who do you have in your stable that you might be considering in a, a non-injury situation sure so those guys are probably the two that stand out ward and stevens i think you still have to back ward in 
he's got the role. He's just not getting the points. It's pretty hard to trade him out for 40 or 50,000 when he could still come good. Uh, your points about Rochelle are really good. Cause I think a lot of coaches did actually trade him last week coming off one bad game where he gave away 50 meters in the last couple of minutes of that game, which cost him a lot of points. Dylan Stevens is a really, really tricky one. And it was funny after round two, he scored 95 and it was seen as a must have for those that didn't start him and people brought him in. And then one week later, he scores 21 and he gets dropped. My concerns are with horse and what horse does with his team and whether he's a reliable coach that will bring him back and give him another chance or not. I don't have faith that will happen, but I'd want to back Stevens in at his current price. Realistically, if you're going to be switching him out, you'd want to be, like you said, switching him for a cheap guy, but a cheap guy that has good scoring potential, not. There's no point towards bringing him out for someone that's going to be scoring 30s in your team. I traded in O'Driscoll for Stevens with some doubt on O'Driscoll's scoring potential. I don't think people would have necessarily seen him being a high-scoring rookie, so I guess I don't mind taking the plunge if you have some certainty about either their pedigree or job security or hopefully um, the combination of both. But uh, I think probably for mine, only Reef kind of falls into that territory where he hasn't shown a lot, but based on his pedigree and the potential for an ongoing role at Collingwood, I don't mind him as a potential punt. But I think a McEntee might be a little bit tougher and feel a little bit riskier from that point of view. I think more likely to be dropped, but also scoring a, a little bit more questionable. Yeah, that's fair point, Spoon. All right, so that's all the players that we had on the run sheet before we head off to our Patreon bonus. Was there anything else that's uh, come to mind before we cut the main show, Mark? Well, I guess that it was interesting just listening to you talk about rookies and whether you need to trade out non-playing rookies or injured rookies. I think this year, a lot more than probably, than definitely last year, but probably even the year before, there's a lot of really good performing rookies. So with Ryder out, you'd expect Hayes to come back. Dixon, Rochelle, Martin. We've got the mid-prices in, Sherry and Brody and those sort of players adding a lot of value. You've got Horn Francis and Dacos and Paddy McCartan. Even Sam DeConigs looks pretty good. I think that there's less pressure to make sure you have 30 playing players and all the rookies making you money because there is we are we do have a fair bit of cash generation happening so far this year. One of the potential mistakes that may rear its head is if you, in the hunt for quick early cash generation, trade out too many top line rookies and scorers to more questionable ones and then pay the price down the line. So it's definitely something to keep in mind as we navigate what is still a very early part of the trading season, although the five extra trades has opened up more of a conversation around using them uh, at this point in the season. All right, in a word, do you think that you will trade Paddy Cripps this week? No. Okay. I'm most likely to trade Bowie out this week. He was a fast cash grab. Um, he's actually, Mark did say I got lucky. I brought in O'Driscoll, basically expecting that I would need a replacement in the back line. And that's why I went early on O'Driscoll. I will have enough cash to upgrade Bowie to... Hewitt, for example. So that's the reason why I might be trading. But Hinge and Crips are more likely to keep with the estimations being hopefully a couple of weeks 
off max for these two players. Thank you very much for giving us your time and attention. All the best for your trades this week. And we'll catch you all next week. See ya. See you guys. Don't want to make